Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I'm Jay Harrington. Tom Nixon is, is with me. Hi, Tom. Hey, Jay. We're doing a little something different today. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, this should be good. Um, yeah, we are. We're doing something that we haven't done before, uh, which is a an Ask Me Anything uh, session where we've assembled a list of questions from um, people, and they're all generally focused on LinkedIn, a favorite topic of our listeners, and and we do our best to answer those questions. Yeah, I think we should uh, point out that these questions were submitted by members of uh, something that people have heard us talk about, which is the Thought Leader Collaborative that you, I, and uh, Heather Harrington started. And that is a membership community and uh, a training curriculum uh, for people who want to master LinkedIn as a thought leadership platform. So in that group, we asked people to submit questions and we're going to at least air an excerpt of, the, of our responses uh, for this week's podcast episode. Yeah, we're going to give you a taste. I mean, we wanted to give people because what the one thing we want to note is that we we are only doing periodic registrations for new members into the into the lab, as we call it. Um, our first opening uh, registration for founding members was back uh, in in August, and we're going to be opening up registration again in December. So we thought we might, uh, for those who are not members, give you a flavor of what you might expect in terms of some of the the content and training and types of questions that we address in the lab. So um, we will, uh, if you're interested in learning more, and we'll give you this again at the end of the episode, but you can visit um, thoughtleadercollaborative.com and you can sign up for our email list and stay informed when we do kind of in the lead up to the next registration session. Very good. Okay. Well, should we, uh, should we give people a taste of, uh, the conversation happening in the lab? Yeah. Yeah. So I hope you enjoy these questions and answers, um, that were posed by our, some of our members. Welcome everyone to the first of its kind, Thought Leader Collaborative, ask us anything. So we're trying something new, hoping it'll stick. Jay, we've asked uh, lab members to submit questions uh, on any topic related to LinkedIn, business development, thought leadership, etc. cetera. Um, hopefully they're not gonna give us any overrated, underrated, like we used to pose to each other in the podcast, but and we're gonna t- address them as they come in um, and each of us provide our perspectives. So. Uh, thank you to everyone who submitted a question in advance. And um, if you missed out on the opportunity, we'll do this again soon. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I love this format. I love answering questions, even if I don't have a good answer, but uh, I do my best. <laughs> That's right. Well, sometimes it just gets us thinking about what the answer could or should be. And I, to me, that's the part of a collaborative, right? It's, I might not have all the answers, but the old uh, cliche, the answer is in the room could very well be true where somebody else might have a perspective that they can add either in the comments when we post this in the group or uh, just in response via email. So are you ready to dive in, Jay? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, we're going to sort of pick these out of a hat. Uh, I guess I'll go first, right? And ask you a question. Um, Here's how the question was posed. I continue to see an increase in engagement. However, the number of views has remained relatively flat 
any input would be appreciated. We've seen this kind of come up in discussion just generally on LinkedIn lately. So any thoughts on that? So the engagement's going up, but the views are flat. Yeah. I mean, I see this as a good sort of leading indicator though. I mean, I think that's, that's what you'd want to see. I'd rather see, um, you know, I'd rather see reactions going up because I think that'll naturally lead to more views ultimately. I mean, it means that the audience you have is, is engaging more and more interested in what you, you have to say when you're, when you're seeing reactions go up. So that that's a good sign. And, and, um, audience growth, follower growth is a natural consequence of, more engagement because the more people engage on your post, you know, they comment on a post you write, then that that indication of their comment goes into the feeds of people they're connected with. And then they, you know, some of them are going to be wanting to check out uh, what you wrote, that kind of thing. So it's sort of this, this organic growth and, and reactions, I think, are sort of the leading indicator. Um, follower growth is somewhat of a lagging indicator, but with that organic follower growth, your views naturally should start going up more. So if you were seeing, you know, reactions go down, I would say that that might be a problem, but since you're seeing them go up, I think that's a good indicator. And um, I also, you know, just one thing that might help boost your views though, um, if, if you're in a similar situation would be trying, and this isn't necessarily easy to do, but there is a difference in not in when engagement occurs, right? When those reactions are coming in. Um, one thing we do know, although we know very little about the LinkedIn algorithm, is that early engagement tends to lead to more views. So if I get 20 comments on a post, um, but those comments are sort of spread out over the course of 10 hours, that will lead to one, you know, one number of views. But if those 20 comments happen in the first hour after that post is published, well, then that's those are instances where you're going to get a huge bump in your views. It's going to start going out to second and three to third degree connections because that's what the LinkedIn algorithm seems to um, want most is early engagement in the form of comments. So there's not a ton you can do to make that happen, you know, short of forming an engagement pod and getting people to engage on your post. There's some positives to that and there's some drawbacks to it. But um, you know, one way would, would be just to be engaged with your post during the first hour after you hit publish, responding to comments and spurring further conversation. That might help you bump up your views. And maybe posting the content at a time that aligns with your typical audience members' free time or when they're going to be on LinkedIn. So I hear a lot of attorneys say that they're on LinkedIn between maybe seven and eight so early in the morning. And then they kind of put it away for a while and then they go back around lunchtime. So I think you just got to align your publishing strategy in timeline with that as well. And the only other thing I would add, and I don't want to get into a huge conversation about the algorithm, but this seems to have happened since September 1st. You see more and more conversation where people are questioning, is there a change in the algorithm or a certain metric is down or flat in this case, is this questioner asking? I guess to me, I think, I would caution people to not maybe overreact to any one particular metric at any one time and look for broader trends because here's one theory, okay? The algorithm changed. Well, maybe that's going to influence views, engagement, et cetera. 
Here's another thing that may have changed. As of September 1st, people are just buried with work and maybe they're spending less time on LinkedIn, which would lead to naturally fewer page views of your or views of your post. Um, maybe you've done something either differently with the structure of the content or the timing of the content or how you're engaging with the posts, as you just mentioned. So, I mean, you really need to, if you really want to understand what's happening with the algorithm, quote unquote, or your post, you just got to study all of that and be cognizant of it. And what I'd rather people focus on is creating great content, getting it out at the right time and just being committed to it and watching those metrics over a longer arc. Because uh, I think that's more meaningful data. You know, what happened over the course of 90 days as opposed to the last nine posts I did. So, yeah. Yeah. And I guess one last point is make sure that you're focused on you proactively growing your network as well. It's great to get that organic following, meaning people are just finding you, but go out and find your ideal client audience, uh, people who will be interested in your content and try to add more of those people to your network. So, great. okay. Um, question number two. All right. All right. So I will, um, I, it's a little bit of a longer question, uh, but in it has some related uh, notes to it, but the question is, I have more LinkedIn connection requests as I continue to post, but I'm not quite sure what to do next in terms of business development. I get invitations to speak on topics I post about on LinkedIn, but my fear of public speaking is not helping. While I'm getting more views on my posts, these have not translated into business opportunities. I've been posting regularly for months. Any thoughts on this? I'm just wondering whether I am doing anything wrong. Hmm. That's a big question. Um, yeah especially to i think we've been pretty open as far as introverts go about how introverted you and i both are and how we have an aversion to aggressive outbound sales or business development right so um but here's a story i had actually a real conversation with somebody i had literally six hours ago and they got a really big deal that they closed and it's somebody that they met three years ago and the opportunity came up my client was the first phone call that this prospect had. It was the only phone call. And they got a really big deal out of it, right? And so he said, so this has all been working all along to me about his marketing and business development. I said, yes, but you didn't make the sale today. You made it in the last three years, somewhere along the way. There was something that you did or something that you earned in terms of respect or trust or authority that it just, you needed to wait for the prospect to have the opportunity in the time of need, which is difficult for B2B's professional service providers because it's not always every day. But you're making those sales to this person's chagrin. You probably are making sales. They're just not closing yet or presenting themselves as obvious. Um, it's a tough thing to hear to say, be patient. But that, I think, is truly the best advice when it comes to business development and marketing generally is you have to have the patience and play the long game. That said, and I want to get your thoughts on this, obviously, Jay, but that said, maybe there are some things that are in between the, I'm just going to wait around for it to happen, and I'm going to make a bunch of cold calls to my network today. We've talked about things like creating opportunities to invite someone into a conversation that isn't a sales overture, invite somebody to be on a podcast, uh, invite someone to co-author an article, maybe secure a speaking opportunity. I know this person's averse to speaking opportunities, but if you aren't, secure speaking opportunity and then bring a prospect to present with you. So these are things that kind of just invite people. If you're looking for more outbound opportunities and you're still sort of sales averse, these are some things that you could do to put in place so that you're actually, you are proactively going after deals, but you're not, you know, sort of proactively or in a pressured way going after sales. So what are your thoughts, Jay? Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Um, I, the way I, I put it, 
and and this is this is I, I kind of borrowed this from something I heard on a podcast recently, but this whole notion of the, exactly what you described of like the the all of the actions you know one takes over a, a multi-year period may be responsible will are responsible. It's not like the last thing you did, right? It was yeah. and and the, the th way to put that a little more colorfully is that you know it wasn't the last tequila shot that got you drunk it was all of them <laughs> it was all of them and True. that's the same way when it comes to marketing and it's it really is that slow build of um trust and awareness that leads to those opportunities so yeah to your point and i know like you said tom it's not real satisfying but patience is required um but then that said I, i'll just the other points you made were great i'll just add a couple more things one would be you know is your is your profile really clear like as to what you do um for your ideal client audience because ultimately mm. you know that you know the progression or the journey someone takes they see something you wrote uh it intrigued them they want to learn more about you they're going to click on your profile does that make it clear like who who it is you help and how you help um so that might be just one you know thing to take a look at um, and then, you know, I, I guess not being afraid to, to initiate some of those conversations yourself, like paying attention in your feed, who are those people? If there's more connection requests coming in and more engagement with your posts, who are those people engaging with what you have to say? They might be very receptive to a conversation. And that might be someone who is an obvious referral source, is an obvious prospective client, or, you know, Sometimes those serendipitous moments come from, you know, having conversations with people who seem like on the surface, neither of those things, but can make an introduction, can connect the dots for you. Um, so I would say, yes, kind of keep reinforcing um, and building trust through your content, but start engaging in those one-on-one -on -one conversations that could lead to those serendipitous moments. Yep. And if I could just close out your colorful, colorful analogy, um, again, preaching patience is you wouldn't do a shot of tequila and then evaluate whether or not you're drunk. Right. Right. And right. then make the determination, well, I guess I'm not drunk. So tequila doesn't get me drunk. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, to that. It, right. It does. <laughs> it, it does, but it's in the aggregate. So um, anyways, hopefully that'll hit home with a certain <laughs> kind might of person. A, might be a new book title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the last shot that got yeah, you drunk. Yeah. All right. Cool. Right. Well, let's stick with this theme. I'm going to throw a couple questions back at you that were all from the same um, the same lab member. Question one is, what are the major key differences between marketing and business development? Mm -hmm. And then in business development, how do you avoid selling and still sell? All right. Um, well, but the first one is, I mean, it, it, I do like to think about marketing and business development as distinct things. And we've talked about this a little bit, which is marketing is sort of getting, you know, your, your key themes communicated to your marketplace of, of ideal clients at scale, right? It's writing a LinkedIn post. It's sending out an email newsletter. It's one to many communication in, in many respects. Um, Whereas business development is, uh, you know, you take a much more strategic look at the broader network that you're building and you identify specific opportunities to strengthen relationships, pursue opportunities from a much more discrete and small number of people. So here's how I look at it um, and how I advise my clients. Typically, it's like, yeah, you want you want as big a network as possible on LinkedIn and, and just more generically the way we think about a network. Um, 
and as, as the composition of that network to be composed as much as possible um, with your ideal clients, referral sources, et cetera. Um, but then, and then you market to them, right? You use thought leadership marketing, for example, to build trust with that audience. Um, and then from a business development standpoint, the way I like to think about it is, all right, of that, let's say thousand people, who are the 25 people who really can have a positive impact on my practice right now? Um, and I think that's important for a couple of different reasons. One is for most of us, I know in my experience and, and with most clients, there's somewhere between five and 15 people out there. Those might be people who are existing clients, um, referral sources, et cetera, who send us 80 to 90% of our business. Like it's just the way it works. Like we don't have, we don't have hundred people sending us work. It's like 10 people and they're responsible for 90% of, of new business opportunities. The key is discerning who are those you know, small number of people, and then really doubling down and investing in them and in that relationship. Um, I like the number like 25 or 20 to pick as like my business development list, because then it allows me to, you know, I try to do it every day, reach out to one person on that list and have some sort of meaningful interaction, whether that be an email, a phone call, or something else, send, send a note, that kind of thing. So, so that's why I like to think about business development and marketing. Marketing's like, um, again, communicating at scale, business development's all about, is there a specific ripe opportunity I can pursue right now? Or can I strengthen a relationship that really has an opportunity to bear, few, bear fruit um, as opposed to my more disparate network? Yep. I agree. In a couple of simplified ways I look at it is the marketing is, is the one-to-many approach and business development is more of a one-to-one approach. Um, and then the other way I, I try to visualize it for people who are familiar with the sales funnel um the, there's at the top of the sales funnel like marketing works really well at the top of the sales funnel getting people from unaware to aware of who you are what you do and getting them even from aware to what you do to actually interested in what you do and at a certain point business development or sales takes over where you're trying to get somebody from interested to actual desire and ultimately to action that's the bottom of the sales funnel and you need to do both to ultimately close a deal, right? So there's sort of, it's not one or the other, it's both and just what are you doing when? And for this particular uh, question, I would, I wrote something, um, if you Google what is content business development in my name, Tom Nixon, N-I-X-O-N, you'll find an article, I would link to it, but I, I, I'd have to go find it and I don't know if we're doing show notes for this. Uh, but so what is content business development, Tom Nixon? You'll come across an article that I wrote, um, ways to use content, you know, we typically think of content as content marketing at the top of the sales funnel, but you can use great content, content to interact more personally and directly in a one-on-one -on -one basis. And I have a bunch of tips and ideas for those that maybe um, this person can start integrating into their approach. Cause it sounds like they're already doing some marketing, but they want to convert some of that activity into actual business development activity. All right. Shall we move on to the next question? Yeah, I guess the second part of that question then, Tom, is that where we're going to go with um, in-business development? How do you yeah. avoid... Oh, did you read that yet? I don't know if you read I that. did read that. And that's okay. sort of what right. I was addressing with my, the article, what is content business development? Okay, because got it. Yeah. If you don't want to constantly be asking for the business, um, you can at least be serving the audience. So I, in that yeah. article, I talk frequently about serving is not selling. So if you continue to serve, that person is going to find you a value. At some point, they are going to have the need and they're going to think of you first and potentially they're only going to think of you. 
Yeah. And, and the only thing I will add to that in terms of just maybe a, a slightly different tactic in a different context would be, you know, if you are having a business development conversation with someone, um, you know, our tendency is always to want to talk a lot uh, because we think it's sort of incumbent upon us to sell our services and, and sell our value proposition. When the best thing you can do oftentimes in those situations is ask lots of questions and listen carefully. Um, and you'll both learn a lot about what the client actually wants, which is really valuable. And people themselves like to talk. So if you ask questions and they get to talk a lot, they're going to walk away with a much more positive impression um, of you after that conversation. And you've said, I never forget, you quoted the Dale Carnegie-ism to ask questions that the other person will enjoy answering. That, I think that's key. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Next question, Tom. What script or introduction is the best uh, is best for new connection requests on LinkedIn for someone who may be part of my target audience, but not yet familiar with who I am? I want to introduce myself and my content without sounding like I am just looking for new business or selling something. Okay. I will maybe be a little controversial here, but um, my answer is no script. So do not have a script. And, here, and here's why. So I think the script comes across as robotic, mechanical. Uh, I think it gets perceived as spam, even if it's not. Um, that doesn't mean you can't prepare a note. I, that, so maybe that's the distinction. So uh, Laura Frederick, when we had her in the collaborative for our principles of practice, says she never sends a note with connection requests. Um, I think she does that because so many of the inbound ones she receives, she says, just sound real spammy. You can tell it's an automation. So if you're going to have a script, quote unquote script, I would say really make it sound like it's not scripted. And if you're going to send a note at all, have it be authentic and really understand the person that you're sending the note to and why you want to connect with them. I don't think you need to sell them on connecting back with you. I think that comes across as like, all right, what does this person want? Right. Um, so I would rather than have a script, I'd rather you just hit the button. And if you are going to send a note, truly make it personal. Don't try to make it sound like I'm really interested in the thoughts that you are providing and hope that we can add value to each other. You know, that just, to me, that sounds like, and when I get those, I like move along. Anyways, controversial Jay, or do you agree? No, I, I agree. And I think, I don't, I don't think I have any, um, uh, any, there's no distance between us on that. Um, I will say, uh, that, yeah, because I, I mean, 98% of my connection requests, I don't send a note of any sort. Um, certainly don't use a script. Agreed. I, anytime that I get a connection request and it has what's an obvious script, I know what's coming next, which is a direct message with, <laughs> some, you know, some long direct message with a bunch of BS, um, in it links and, and which I'm going to delete immediately. Um, what, what I do the other 2% of the time, if there's someone I really want to connect with, um, and I think that there's a, a likelihood that they might ignore my request. Otherwise, if I don't like at least have some warm introduction uh, element to my my connection request, would be spend just a minute or two, maybe more, um, just looking for something that the other person has done that you genuinely um, appreciated. And so this might be. Hey, I, and, and that might be how you discovered this person in the first place. That's oftentimes how I do. Like if I read a really good article somewhere, whether it be on LinkedIn or, or elsewhere. And, and my, one of my first steps, is like, I want to see more from this person. I don't know exactly. They may not even be someone who would be a business source for me, but just, I want to see more because I learned something from them. I, I will cite that, you know, I saw you speak. 
I read this article and referenced it specifically. Here's what I liked about it or what I learned from it. I'd love to see more of your content in the future. And I'm hoping we can connect like something like that. Um, and that, that can work really well, more strategically too. Like you don't always have to, you can go on and seek that out. If you want to connect with someone and you do your due diligence on, I've got to find something that I can reference in my connection request note that will make them see that I don't, I'm not just, you know, going to immediately hit them up with a sales pitch, but I'm genuinely interested in, in being part of this person's network. And here's what might make that easier and more authentic. Cause if you, if you're just now getting more active on LinkedIn, this might not be a habit for those of you who are very active on LinkedIn. This is going to sound rudimentary, but, um, be in the habit of connecting with on LinkedIn with the real person you just connected with outside of LinkedIn. So anytime you have a great phone conversation within 10 minutes, I'm connecting with that person on LinkedIn a before I forget, but B before they forget, how great the conversation was that we just had. So this could be a meeting you're taking, a phone call you're having, a phone call you're uh, receiving, an email exchange. Uh, even what's happened a lot this week is I've had great like sort of comment tete-a-tetes with people that are second degree connections in somebody else's uh, you know, post. And I'm like, all right, I just hit it off with that guy. I'm gonna, I don't know where this will lead, but I'm, now I can connect and say, hey, that was a great comment or a really funny quip. And now there's a reason to connect. So that in that way, it's authentic. So instead of like trying to figure out how do I come up with a script that's going to get more people to connect with me, I think maybe the approach could be every time I have an interaction with a real human being, I am right then and there connecting with them on LinkedIn because I have an excuse to put something authentic in the note. Yeah, that's great advice, Tom. All right, who's up next? Um, uh, I think I'm going first this time. So. Okay, so I'm going to read you a question. Let's see here. Um, we just kind of covered that one. So I'll maybe put that to the end. Uh, my audience on LinkedIn are potential referral sources. Am I asking for referrals during an initial conversation or letting that relationship marinate for a while and then asking for referrals or should I not be asking for referrals at all? Um, yeah. Uh, good questions. Um, <laughs> no, this <laughs> well, is let me hear, let me, before you go on, they said, yeah. I'll attempt to sum up the question this way. LinkedIn networking. When should I start these direct message conversations and how should these conversations go? And on what note should they end? Be very interested to see a real world example or even a, a role play example of a private direct message conversation on LinkedIn that was initiated by a post or by a reply on someone else's posts, which is kind of what I just mentioned. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll give some advice. I know uh, if we think back to uh, the training we did with Frank Ramos, I mean, if he, he gave a very specific approach to this in, in his training, and then I'll, I'll share that and then maybe follow up with some of my own thoughts. But Frank was saying basically, you know, when, if we're consistent with creating content on the platform, um, you will over time build an audience and within that audience, you'll start to see some of the same people who are reacting to your content. And sometimes those people would be uh, potentially a, a prospective client. And the way that Frank approaches that and how we use direct messaging is to say, um, you know, after someone has reacted to his posts, you know, consistently over a certain period of time, he may just send them a quick note saying, hey, I've noticed you've been, you know, kind of commenting on and reacting to my posts. I really appreciate that. You know, I hope all's well. And he'll just sort of leave it at that. And then he will kind of wait and see if someone 
sends a message back and see what that says, if anything, or, or maybe they won't send a message. And if they don't send a message back, that'll be the end of that. But he's kind of just teeing up, um, you know, taking the initiative and seeing like, all right, this person obviously is in indicated through their actions on the platform that they value what I have to say. Maybe if I prod them, they will open the door to something, you know, more uh, sort of the next step in the relationship. Um, maybe a conversation off of off of LinkedIn. And that I think to the extent that someone responds to Frank's direct message, that you know, he uses his judgment uh, to then determine whether suggesting like, hey, maybe we can get on a Zoom call at some point and 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 meet, you know, off of LinkedIn is appropriate. So I think that's one good way to sort of use content to to really initiate off LinkedIn conversations like that using direct messages. Um, and then I, you know, I, I think beyond that, it, it's somewhat um, strategic, right? You've got to you've got to look and see, like, all right, who who are the most likely candidates to be receptive to an overture? You don't want to just be spamming a bunch of people, um, but there might be circumstances in which, you know, maybe someone posted something that um, sparked an idea, who's a potential referral source, and. And, and maybe that's the entry point into a direct message to them just to say, like, I really enjoyed this post. Like, I'm, I'm interested in learning more about your business. Here, here's what I do. Maybe there's some ways we can mutually, like, work together or something like that. Like that, that natural conversation where it's not, a, it's not a, just an ask, but it's sort of a, a give and take kind of thing um, where you're suggesting some sort of mutually beneficial relationship. But it's really, I, I don't know. There's not one formula for this. It's it's more art than science, and it really is just a matter of kind of using your judgment, being observant, and um, looking for those intermittent opportunities to reach out to people based on various circumstances. But I do I do like Frank's approach. I think that's one way to use direct messages effectively. I do too. It, you know, I guess I'm working from the premise that either the person who rose this question or, or myself or you are kind of averse to overtly saying, Hey, you know, asking for the referral, do you have any referrals? And so I think that's been Frank's approach. That sounds like it's probably your approach. And, but again, maybe there's a step in between for those who aren't comfortable just asking for referrals. And that is asking, you know, Hey, I, I've noticed a bunch of my clients are, are dealing with the same issue these days. I'm wondering if you're seeing the same thing, you know, to try to actually just generate a conversation around an issue that might naturally evolve to, yes, I am seeing the same thing. It's funny. I keep seeing this issue present itself. How are you helping your clients through that? Oh, typically I uh, see if I can address it myself or if there's somebody I need to refer them out to. Yeah. And now you're the topic is on to with a referral. So I think yeah. that's, to me, it's like, that's how I would approach it again, natural introvert, natural person who never wanted to be a salesperson, but is in the business of business development. And I've just found these ways to try to like create organic conversations, whether it's in the real world, you know, where I'm super shy, you know, at a networking mm -hmm. event, but, but not forget that online networking, it shouldn't be all that different from in-person networking. I think this, this question kind of is rooted in etiquette. And yeah. I think the part I didn't read is he said, I don't have a clear understanding of the thought leader etiquette of networking. Well, to me, it's you've already learned the etiquette of networking. It's just apply the same rules and policies and procedures to a digital platform that you would if you were in the same room as the person. Right. Don't let yeah. this technology sort of mask uh, what should be an authentic human interaction. Yeah. And, and I would say just getting back to it, like the in my own experience, the. The best referrals 
and the most frequent referrals come from people who I never asked for referrals from, right? It's, it's yeah. almost always an out of the blue message, uh, by someone who says, Hey, you know, I've been reading your posts for, you know, the last 18 months or three, three years, I've been subscribed to your email list or whatever. And, or I read your book or something like that. You know, I, it seems like, you know, what you're talking about. Um, I have this, you know, client, I have this friend, I have what, who might need some help. Like, can I, can I connect you with them? That that's how it works. And I think about my own experience referring workout. It's the same, it's the same way, right? Like I I've never, I, I can't think of a situation where someone has, um, here, here's the thing that to not do, because at least this is something I really hate where someone misrepresents the, um, objective of like a call, right. They say it's one thing, but then ultimately it becomes obvious pretty quickly that all they're doing is looking for you to send them referrals. And, mm-hmm. you know, that never works, right. I'm never will send anyone like that who, who kind of hides the ball and suggests they want to talk about X and they really want to talk about Y. Um, but you know, same way. Like if I, if I have, a, if I have someone who gets busted in Salt Lake City, Utah, like I'm for for some crime, I'm going to send them to Joshua Barron, right? Right. Um, and not because which Joshua's you did ever... when I got busted in Salt Lake City. Thank you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not because Joshua's ever asked me for a referral. It's just that I value his content. Um, we've been able to develop a relationship. Just never talking about business, but like um, other other things. And and the same goes for. If, you know, if someone has a commercial contracts issue, they're going to Laura Frederick, like all, you know, it's just, again, no one, none of these people have asked me for a referral. Um, It's just a matter of, I'm impressed by what they're doing and saying and their ideas. And, um, you know, we've developed a relationship that has been mutually beneficial, but has never, never really broaches the topic of like, hey, can you send me referrals or anything like that? It's just not, it's a natural consequence of building a good relationship. So, so yeah. So the goal is to be the Joshua Barron or the Laura Frederick in whatever it is that you do. And you can only mm-hmm. do that over time and you have to earn it. It can't be, see, and that's the thing, this whole idea of earning it. So when you give somebody a referral, right? If somebody calls you and says, hey, hey, do you know of anyone that does X, Y, Z? And you say, yes, I know the perfect person. Doesn't it make you feel good that you've made that connection? It, it, yeah. it helped not only the person that called looking for help, but also the person who actually serves that you know, mm-hmm. in that problem. If I call you, Jay, and say, hey, uh, I've been, I get all my business from referrals. Is there anyone that you know of, Jay, that might be a good fit with me? How does that feel? That yeah. doesn't feel really good. Yeah. It's like, no, no, oh, no. Yeah. I'm being sold. And it's like, right. well, I might've sent you someone, but now I gotta, and then if I do come up out of obligation, come up with a name, hey, why don't mm-hmm. you call Joe Smith? It's like, I'm only doing that to give you, cause I feel right. uncomfortable and I want to deflect. So right. um, I, I think we've made our point is again, yeah. let it happen organically in just going back to what you said about tactically, the uh, LinkedIn profile. If, if you're clear about what it is that you do and who you help and how you help them, both on the profile itself, but in your content strategy, you're, you're going to be known as the Josh Barron of X, mm-hmm. right? It's just, you just got to be there and show up. And why don't we pause there? Um, we had about another 20 minutes or so of conversation and questions. So, but we'll pause there and uh, um, thank our listeners to the Thought Leadership Project podcast and hope that they will uh, check out Thought Leader Collaborative uh, in the near future. 
Yeah. So again, that's thoughtleadercollaborative.com if you want to get signed up for our email list. Um, and we do have a, a downloadable resource there that you can get as well that relates to um, you know various aspects of LinkedIn content creation. Um, but yeah, we hope you uh, you know check it out. And in any event, thank you for listening today. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.